pretty good. Oh, that's good. That's my, real hang good. Hang on, I gotta. I'm gonna check my peak here. Peak, peak. Okay. <laughs> Turn mine down a little bit. Peak, peak. Peak, peak. Oh, that's that's peaking real hard. I'm gonna check my beak here. Peak, bird, peak. bird. <laughs> peak, peak, bird, peak. Okay. Bird. I like that, I like that bird. one right there. Uh. Everybody knows that the bird is the word. Yeah, the bird it's is true. the word. I thought I thought I thought Christ was the word or the Lord or something. <laughs> the Lord, the Lord is the word. <laughs> Different. Uh, the bird is the Lord. The bird uh, is the, the good bird news. Is the Lord. Well, birds okay. bring good news in what? Game of Thrones sometimes, <laughs> but usually it's bad news. So. Yeah. One two two, I think. Is oh, I thought it? you were asking what episode of Game of Thrones was it when no. a bird brings no, no, news? No, 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 it's no, like no. You noob. They which, bring it all which, the time, man. Which episode of Insert Credit had the bird bringing news? <laughs> I think episode one twenty two. One twenty two. Yeah, that's the episode. I remember it's one twenty two <laughs> because one two two is just the number that is in my head for some reason. Oh. <laughs> That's, that's, really, a, that's a yeah. That's a that's a good way of remembering stuff. That's my, that's my mnemonic device. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> remembering it. Oh, did I did I want to? Oh, I wanted to finish telling you all about my gamer mouse. We can oh, do this as it. a special. Uh, it's this is like a prologue to the yeah. episode of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I'm one of these Logitech it. gamer mouses because it's got macro buttons and there's not an obnoxious number of them. There's just three of them by the thumb. Macro buttons. There's one of them by the index finger, and. Uh, uh, after years of seeing gamer stuff and going <laughs> gamer stuff, uh, I'm like, oh, I could just set the blade tool in Final Cut to that button right there, uh, slightly to the left of my index finger when I'm clicking, and uh, I could just make a cut like that instead of having to touch the keyboard, uh, and that would be nice. And then I thought of like four other things I would do, so. There's that. But it's got a weighted scroll wheel, which I will let everyone hear. Listen to this, everybody. I think I'm holding it to my other microphone. Is that a duck? It sounds like a duck. (laughs) But if you press this big clicky button, this big powerful switch, now it has switched over to spinning mode where it will just spin infinitely. I I like the bird. I like the bird sound better. Yeah, because yeah, then you get those little tactile clicks. It's a good scroll wheel. It's it heavy. Sa- it as sounded heck. like a duck that swallowed a bunch of nuts and bolts. Yeah. Uh, so my previous like game about it. Oh, the ducks actually eat a whole lot of stuff that's not food because they don't yeah. have digestive enzymes. Uh, it's a little fact about birds here. We're talking about birds. Uh, so that's my my final word on on this is uh, uh, I like it. My previous gamer mouse. I got the most minimalist one possible. The Zowie. But now I've got this Logitech one. I still have the Zowie, and I still love it for my PC gaming. But this is pretty good. The end. Yeah, I uh, I always kind of assumed that gamer mice and gamer keyboards were probably just uh, stupid names for 
luxury mice and luxury keyboards. Yeah, they're just they're they're powerful. Yeah. They've got they've got features that uh many uh day-to-day users of a computer don't know. Don't they don't know to want. They don't know that they want them. That's I have this uh I have a I have a gamer mouse pad uh that was sent to me when I worked at one up, I guess because they thought we would review a mouse pad. I mean, why um, wouldn't you? I don't I don't know. Maybe I should have. It 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 uh it the packaging said it it was uh I I forget if it said it exactly friction free or frictionless, but it was some variant of that saying that it had no friction at all. No and, friction. Uh let me tell you when whenever I touch it, I just immediately fall to the floor. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. I don't I don't know what they did, but they found a way to have no friction. Do you guys I remember put- that uh that Seven Samurai Twenty XX game. Yeah, I liked that dumb game. Yeah, I got I got that uh, a mouse pad for that for free at one of the E threes, and that was my mom's mouse pad since from like two thousand three <laughs> through um last year, and it it has completely disintegrated and left a bunch of garbage on her desk, and uh, and uh, so that's my mouse pad story. I have a three dollar mouse pad from Target. It's blue. Uh, yeah. I got one of the really thin ones. It's got a good enough friction on it. I replaced that twenty X uh, Samurai Seven Samurai twenty XX twenty XX. Wow, I'm never gonna say that um, mouse pad with a pink one from Daiso. Oh, nice. Dollar fifty. Dollar fifty. Daiso, Niso. You know what I mean. <laughs> so hey, you guys want to talk about some video games or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. Well, as you guys have surmised, this is episode 122 of Insert Credit. I am Frank Cifaldi. Joining me, as always, is Brandon Sheffield and Tim Rogers. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, how you doing? Hello. So uh, today, we're going to talk about stories. We're going to talk about uh, narrative-driven games, uh, specifically because I think uh, one future of mainstream video games is going to be more approachable narrative-based stuff. Is this something we all can at least agree on? Yeah, maybe. I'm maybe. not sure I if I totally agree. I think okay. it. I don't know if it's. I mean, I, I'm sure that that will continue to happen, but I don't. I don't know about it being the total future. Maybe it will be. Well, I said A. Like I. I yeah, all I, right. I I don't think that. Oh, well, it's not going to uh, go for away. Example, competitive games will go away but I, I i believe that uh there there is a future where where uh there is a narrative style of game that becomes uh popular um i think at least tim agrees with that uh yeah i think so i've played a lot of these uh these walking simulator games mm-hmm. you know and i'm like yeah i like there's i, I like these a lot better than a lot of action games that try to have stories. Okay, cool. That's great that you've played a lot of walking simulators because I haven't. So what we're going to do today is right before the show, I started just off the top of my head trying to define different styles, different approaches to solving this, uh, what I'd consider narrative problem in video games, which is that, uh, well, there's a few problems, but the one I keep hearing about like every GDC at some design talk is player agency versus uh, actually being able to tell a story you want to tell. Something we're all familiar with, right? Yeah. Sure. Okay, so 
what I kind of want to do is go through uh, the categories I've uh, sort of defined and then maybe come up with some other ones and just go through the pros and cons and, I don't know, see if anything becomes of that. See if, see if we figure out by the end of this show uh, what the best approach is and then go make millions and millions of dollars. If I figure it out, I'm not going to tell anybody. Well, you have to because you're a participant on my show this week. Darn it. So uh, the first category, um, there might be better names for these two, but I'm, I'm going to call it the Silent Observer. And by the way, all of these have uh, a currently popular game attached to them. Uh, mm-hmm. So the Silent Observer uh, is what I'd call the Undertale style of game. Uh, yeah. Which, if you haven't played it, is basically in terms of narrative stuff is a traditional RPG where uh, you're going around sort of doing video game stuff. And a video and, and a story is told to you. Uh, I don't think you necessarily have to be silent to be in a silent observer game, but but this is a game where you're not you know sort of directly affecting the narrative with your own narrative. Um. So, you know, what are the sort of pros and cons of of that approach? I dislike when and uh and of course this isn't necessarily a thing that happens in here but I I don't like when the the protagonist doesn't say anything or has just dot 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 as their as their response because it's just this it's this weird kind of idea that you will project yourself into the character first of all and second of all, that that character you've projected in yourself into, uh, in order to not do anything that you might not do, does nothing. But that's something I wouldn't do. So that is ultimately problematic for me. Um, I uh, <clears throat> like I never. I don't know if you guys play a video game and then you're like, "This is me." I I never <laughs> I never do that. So, you know, the the protagonist can be a character that I like or don't like. Like in in um in in that level 5 tactics game Jean d'Arc. Um at one point, this is a spoiler. Um you ha- sort of, not a bad one. You you have to take control of a character who is garbage and you have to be them for a full chapter of the game. And, you know, I never thought I was that character. I didn't like playing as them, but that was an interesting experience to have to do that. And if you're, if you make the protagonist totally silent, you can't have those kinds of, those kinds of situations. And I would still call that game a uh, silent observer sort of game because, you know, I couldn't make those choices. Those choices were made for me. Sometimes the uh, the silent observer in one of these games is uh is is pretty loud too, like that guy in Final Fantasy twelve. Yeah, he's a he's a fun guy who's like, hey hey everybody, but he's not the hero. He's just kind of hanging out with the band, which I think is neat. But that's maybe not what we're talking about. Well, I think it actually is. I think that's the same sort of category. Although maybe maybe these should be split, right? Like maybe having the the uh the observer actually be silent is its own thing. But I consider, I, I mean, Final Fantasy 12 to me, it's, it seems to be cut from the same cloth where you don't actually make decisions as far as what that character is saying. Right. So they're, they're just saying stuff, which in my head is the same, is the same thing as saying nothing. You know, it's sort of defining yeah. that character for you. 
Um, so I, I, I think the the counter argument to what Brandon is saying is is that you know I, I think what people might argue is that when you're playing a video game, you are playing your own character. Uh, you know, you're sort of role playing as yourself, and that uh, it might be more immersive if the the avatar on screen uh doesn't exhibit any any personality traits or quirks and is just you know you're sort of filling in the blanks uh you don't agree with that approach though brandon um well i agree with that approach if anyone ever did that um but i don't think that they generally do um they just have implicit it's either like they there are lines that they could say or not but aren't or it's they're um they're just standing there dumb faced when when people are like oh god your mother was killed or something and it's uh <clears throat> it's not possible for me to find that immersive because it it doesn't make sense unless that person like if that person does not have the ability to speak if they are mute within the context of the story then you could do something interesting there but otherwise i definitely you know i can't see projecting onto a, a character that doesn't that doesn't actually react it doesn't let you fill in the blanks because it doesn't it doesn't have blanks it has you know it has um it has like a void <laughs> is yeah. what i feel um but i think that you know i think someone could do a really interesting game about the protagonist never saying anything and letting you fill in the blanks. Um, I just haven't seen a game that actually does that. Maybe there's one that I don't know about. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen one that sort of explicitly, you know, makes a rule that your character is mute, other than like, I don't know, jokes in Grand Theft Auto Three or something about how you never talk. Uh, but. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I was thinking about your question, which is, have have we ever gone like, yes, that's me? And and since the uh, example of of the currently popular game in this genre is, is Undertale, I was sort of thinking back to when I played Undertale, and I mean, I never explicitly said like I am playing as myself, but uh, I never felt an absence from the way it did things because I just felt. Like, uh, I was walking through this world and, and meeting players, I mean, characters, I should say, and, uh, that, you know, that, that the avatar on screen was, was basically meaningless. It could have just been a first person game and been the same thing to me. I think that, yeah. I think that you're probably going to get to this eventually, but, um, just to kind of pose this against something else, uh. <clears throat> when I'm playing a game where the character doesn't say anything and there aren't those kinds of narrative consequences, you know, I'll I'll take all the gold from everybody's houses and, you know, I'll think about, like, boy, I'm sure I'm robbing these people and they don't care or whatever. Yeah. Um, but in if I'm playing Mass Effect, I will 100% make the choices that I would make and I will never be... Um, Maverick. I will always be Paragon, and I will never, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna do the thing in Fallout Three where you can, uh, you know, rob somebody and then put a grenade back in their pocket and then they explode um, if they're like a good character. So 
you know, if I if I see that there are no consequences in 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 the game world, then it's very different narrative experience for me. Then, and I don't wind up being myself. But if there are narrative consequences, then I'm much more likely to be myself. Uh, Tim, it sounded like you had some thoughts before we oh, wrap this one. Oh, up. yeah, I was going to say, uh, playing a game and saying that's me or thinking that that's you. Uh, I think, you know, it has nothing to do with creating a character or the world of the game being realistic or the world of the game looking like, I don't know, lo- looking like something that is familiar to you. Uh, I think Undertale is a really good example of that character definitely feels like you, like, like the person who's playing the game. Yeah. Because it starts. It just ha- there's so many questions in the game, right in the first like five ten seconds that uh uh, I mean it's not it's not telling you anything. I mean it doesn't tell you anything for a very long time, which is uh uh extremely cool. So it's like you're asking the game questions by playing it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's kind of just the foundation of that whole. Uh, first experience of the game is just questioning it and moving through it and your character doesn't talk but that doesn't matter uh well because in a way you're talking through your actions is what you're saying yeah 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 talking to the game through the game you know what i mean whoa oh yeah whoa well uh let's go on the total opposite uh end of the spectrum i think uh, which is what I call forced participation. And, and this is what I call like the telltale style of game or um, what, what would be another recent example? Uh, Life is strange is very much like this. Uh, this is very much like a, a traditional uh, what you'd call adventure game, like a point and click adventure game where uh, there's really nothing you can do, but uh, get, get on in there and be that character. Um so in Telltale games, for example, uh, there's a whole lot of situations where, you know, the game will be like, okay, this is the part where you're having a conversation with this person. Start choosing your answers. And that's basically all you can do. Um, so the the advantages here, obviously, are that it gets a whole lot easier to uh, script a, a you know, an actual script, I should say, like, like word script, not, not game logic script. Um, and, and it gets a whole lot easier to sort of create characters and, 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 and tell a story that way. But, uh, for me, I, I don't like this approach because I, I don't like feeling like the world I'm in has suddenly frozen and and forced me to to figure out the thing that happens that makes it move again. Yeah, that first Walking Dead game, uh, uh, I mean, it has a really kind of virtuoso opening scene, in my opinion, the yeah. whole beginning of it. And then when it finally gets, when finally we've met all the characters and we're in somebody's house, right? We're like in a safe house and we've met a couple of, country people who are helping us out and then it's just like all right it's gonna be nightfall soon let's go check on the horses or whatever and then you're just kind of standing there 
and there's just a whole bunch of little things you can do. And I was like, whoa, I'm supposed to, the, the puzzle is figure out who to talk to, uh, in what order or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, uh, it's just, so first of all, my main guy starts out as a, he's in the backseat of a police car, you know, he's handcuffed, he's being taken to jail. And then the car crashes into a goddamn canyon because the driver tries to avoid a goddamn zombie, which is a pretty cool, uh, first 30 seconds of a game. Yeah. Uh, really great place to start. Well, and, story. and, and, and what I like most about that scene for people who haven't played it is that when he's about to hit a zombie, uh, you are given dialogue options to basically react in and to say, Hey, look out. Yeah. Or, but, but uh, I don't, I don't think any of them actually like execute if you choose them. I think, well, you, cause you yeah, crash yeah. before it happens, which, which I thought was a really cool touch. It's, uh, it's really, really good. Uh, so, okay, I mean, all Telltale games pr- prior to that had used that engine, but that was the first one that's like, uh, it's got this mission statement right there, which is, yeah, uh, this cutscene's happening in real time and you can make decisions during them. And then it was like, for example, like this, uh, here's a dialogue choice that there's no way you can even make a choice in time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't think you can, you can make a choice before, uh, the, the car accident happens. I think it's, uh, I think I made a choice there, but I, th- uh, I think you were just I, respond to the cop or something. Yeah. 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 If uh, you go through it real fast, cause I, I played through that intro sequence twice because I, um, I played through a, like a demo and then I bought it. Um, uh-huh. so I, I, I made my choices really fast and I was able to, to do it, but it is still, it is still that same kind of feeling where, yeah, it's, it's like, here's, well, here's a choice that you, that's not going to do anything, yeah. uh, that you probably aren't going to actually make, uh, because the first time you're playing the game, it's like, uh, you see that and it's just, you don't even know that that's going to happen. You don't even know that, I mean, which is cool. Yeah. So anyway, that starts, that established to me, uh, this cool thing that my guy is, uh, in a, in a world that's a lot bigger than him. And the game is, uh, uh, the game is just a, a tool for measuring how much bigger the world is than my guy. Right. And I think that's neat. And then it gets to, uh, you know, let's go check on the horses. It's nightfall soon or whatever. And suddenly it's like, whoa. Yeah. My guy is, he is the knife that cuts the world, you know? He is, uh, I don't know what that means. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, I mean, this guy who starts out as this insignificant speck, and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to, uh, be this speck on the microscope. And then it's like, yeah, uh, and then, I mean, I'm the guy who's just pulling it along and, uh, I didn't feel betrayed. I felt like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. This is still a very good video game. I felt good about that because it, it was like, okay, this guy's, this guy's been to jail and he's maybe killed somebody possibly. Um, yeah, he's got stuff. So yeah. I, I can believe that this guy is the one who's going to take charge in this situation. Um, yeah. Because he's, he's maybe dealt with more stuff than these people have. He's the knife that cuts the world. Yeah. He's, uh, he's put a knife through something, probably. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about a shoe. 
And I'm not talking about some kitchen demo. Well, here's what I don't like about that. Um, yeah. I feel like those are two different games that happen. I feel like there's a decision-making game where you drive a narrative forward by quickly making decisions. And then there's the, like, then they just kind of drop that and and suddenly you're in sort of a traditional adventure game where you got to walk around and observe stuff and choose who to talk to. And uh, to me, like, I kind of felt, I, I did feel a little bit betrayed uh, when that happened because I felt like they were doing something, you know, new and, and they didn't take it all the way. Like, they still had to sort of backtrack and do the traditional adventure game stuff too um i don't feel that way about it because because it's you know the beginning part that we're talking about that's basically just a laserdisc game you know sure um and i i think a laserdisc game is a little less sophisticated than your classic adventure game and i think that marrying those two things is a cool idea and also having reverberations of choice throughout the game whether those are actual big choices or not is cool but my big problem i mean i i actually really liked what they did and how they did it and you know i could i could see the system there but it didn't bother me because i was like this is a fun way to tell the story and i'm engaged in this story and i kind of care about this little child that i'm trying to protect and i kind of care about this dude and i want to know did he kill his wife etc like i i I cared about the individual uh... moments I'm not saying uh, that I would want a uh, a laserdisc game. I'm saying I was really, really ready for a game where I was going to be able to miss opportunities to make yeah. choices. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I mean, obviously, games don't all want to do that, uh, especially a game like that, because otherwise, it's it's more comfortable to make a game. Uh, it's not just more com- It's it's astronomically more comfortable to make a game where you uh or it's like where you you give the player choices they have to make than account for some mm-hmm. fractally expanding network of yeah. what if this person just didn't choose in time cuz i think in life the more fascinating choices are the ones you you uh unfortunately miss the chance to make and uh i guess games can't really just kind of linger on those but uh yeah you're i i really really like the way it the the character's personality comes out in the choices no matter how you make them uh that's fun that's so, great yeah the the next one is is what i'd consider a spin-off of of this kind well, of game i actually oh. wanted to talk a little bit about life is strange for a second sure go for it because that game i feel like that was different from the walking dead because you could if you were interested in that world and learning more about that character, you could do that by yourself and you could also not do that because mm. they're walking around in there. You can talk to everybody or you can just go straight to the, like the node of the important action that needs to happen here. But you don't always know what that, unlike the walking dead, you don't always know really what that is. You don't know what the choice is that needs to be made yet. Um, you have to find, uh, you have to know about the world and see what's up with these people. And you can sort of create your, your internal monologue through having this young lady go around and, you know, read all the posters, find out 
what bands are playing in the town and you know learn about the um <clears throat> you can learn about the the like the 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 group of popular kids through a, a poster on the wall before you ever meet one of them and i feel like that that kind of stuff there's like little bits of dialogue for all of that that you can see or not see um and they're not they're not that important but they if you like them and care about that sort of thing it can kind of expand the world for you and give you more agency in an adventure game than you might otherwise have because it's 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 all an internalized dialogue pretty much just with her talking to herself or then talking to other characters and she speaks to herself in a different way than she speaks to other characters because she's more comfortable with herself because she's kind of a little shy and introverted. So I thought that was actually pretty cool, even though, you know, again, no one, you're not going to be fooled and, and not see that the system is there. But, um, if, if you can get on board, I think it's a cool way to, to make that go. No, I th- I think uh, flavor in the environment for people who want to explore that. Like I I I definitely think like I don't know if we want to start a, a a bullet point list of what we think the future might be, but I think that's one of them. Yeah, I, I agree that that is one. So uh, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and start that flavor in environment, and we can revisit this later. Nice. Uh, so uh, okay, so so what I'd call sort of a spinoff of that genre addresses something I don't like about, for example, Life is Strange or a Telltale game, which is that um, when a conversation is happening, uh, you're sort of frozen in place or forced to be doing what the game wants you to be doing. Like you're like a lot of times in Telltale games, you won't literally be frozen in place. Your character will just sort of be walking. And, you know, the camera will sort of track them walking and talking to the other person or whatever. But you can't do anything except make a dialogue choice when that stuff's happening. Um, so what I'd consider a sort of spin-off of, of that genre, um, both of which had, I believe, uh, former Telltale writers, uh, would be uh, Firewatch and Oxenfree, if you guys have played either of those. Uh, I've not played Firewatch, but I've got it, and uh, I'm meaning to play it. Uh, it just came out. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no spoilers <laughs> here, and if you've, like, watched footage or anything you'll understand what i'm saying here but uh uh in both of those games there is sort of a primary action so the primary action in firewatch would you know be walking around in first person looking at stuff right looking at stuff yeah Yeah. and then oxenfree sort of similar in that you're you're on a 2d plane and you're walking around back and forth and you can uh press the action button to, to sort of climb up a little thing or whatever uh, and then there is mm-hmm. a secondary dialogue system that's that you're able to do while you're doing that other stuff. So in Firewatch, you can be running around looking at stuff and then uh, pressing a separate button to respond to dialogue, right? So like you don't you don't stop and have a conversation ever. You're you're always sort of in control. Uh, same with Oxenfree. In Oxenfree. Um, Oxenfree sort of takes a, a little bit of a different approach, which is that your character uh, never, as far as I can remember, engages a conversation or starts it. Uh, they basically only reply. 
So when uh, when it's your turn to talk, you'll have between one and three speech options or sort of a, a fourth option, which is don't say anything and the timer runs out, kind of like Telltale. Yeah. Um, so I think these are really cool, and I think they're the beginning of something new uh, where your your mouth isn't sort of anchored to the ground anymore, if that nice. makes sense. You know? <laughs> like your your hands and your mouth can be operating independently, which I think is cool. And I remember the first time that, that I, I thought that this should be a thing was when I was playing Grand Theft Auto 4. And, uh, well, first of all, you can talk on your cell phone while walking around, which is cool. But what I liked about that game is that a lot of the backstory would happen uh, while you were driving and other people were talking to you. Yeah, while you're driving to missions. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, again, pros and cons here on, on, on that sort of approach. Hmm. Well, it's, uh, it seems pretty all right. It's got two buttons instead of one button, uh, so to speak. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's a step forward. Um, it's just responding to things is a little weird to me. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a cool way to, to make that happen. And I think you sort of, I don't know. I, I feel like you, you, they could easily, not easily. They could have made it a um, thing where you hit a button and then it brings up a set of generic conversation starters as well, which might be that, but that might get into really lame territory. But it could be contextual based on what you see. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think it's it's definitely a step, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, is, is it a step enough to add to our future of uh narrative list, uh, mouth no longer being anchored or whatever? Well, cer- certainly that, yeah. Whether this is yeah. the solution to that right. is, is a different question, but mouth not anchored to ground certainly seems like one. Yeah. So I think, I, uh, go ahead, Tim. Oh, I, I just, I really like the, uh, the Grand Theft Auto characters always saying stuff in the car on the way to and from missions and, uh, the fact that they recorded and they wrote and recorded four or five, sometimes two or three, some, uh, you know, just different, subtly different versions of it in case you have to restart the mission. Yeah. I like that stuff. I think that stuff's cute. I like that a lot. And the reason I like it is because it's not a cutscene because you're mm-hmm. driving. And, um, even if the driving is kind of boring, it's, you know, 10 times less boring to me than watching a cutscene. You know, this is, this is, not you know this isn't the same thing because it's it's not interactive and it's it's a hundred percent passive but well not a hundred percent passive it's but you have no input into the story here but um in deadly premonition when when york is driving around and talking to uh himself about movies and stuff i actually wanted to Sometimes I would drive for longer to make sure I could hear the end of the story because I was interested. Uh, I just liked hearing that monologue. And there would be options for you to, you know, ride in the car with some other people and you could hear their dialogue or you could drive by yourself and then you could hear your monologue. And I found those choices really hard to make because... Usually the monologue was going to be cooler, but the dialogue would give me more information about the world. 
And, right, uh, it's like, do you, do you want to hear about old movies or the game you're playing? Yeah, it's exactly. Kind of and, and a lot of the time I would just, like, try to do both somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I just, I would hear the thing about the game because it would be shorter, and then I would just r- restart, load from my save, and, and then drive by myself so I could hear the movie thing. Um, yeah, it's that's silly and weird, but it, it just speaks to the idea that hearing someone tell something tell you something compelling is in fact compelling and made more so when you are in control of some something there and in the case of deadly premonition it's the car so uh i i guess i have a a little uh sub question here um why I didn't feel like Half-Life 2's way of having people speak to me worked very well. And I don't know why that is. Well, um it's it in that game it's like they they wanted to give you freedom and stuff and so you can still be just like they they trap you in a room. Yeah. For the dialogue, you can walk around and you can still like smash stuff with your wrench. And if they let you do that, then you're gonna and you're going to immediately, just immediately ruin the experience for yourself because nobody's addressing the fact that you're, yeah. you're, you're smashing up all the machines that aren't getting damaged with your, with your wrench. Um, but it was, it was a step again. Yeah. At the it, time. it was a step. Yeah. But, uh, to your point, yeah. If you're driving, you know, the worst thing you can do is just drive like an idiot, which, uh, it's kind of easy to script. I think Deadly Premonition even did some of it, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. I don't either. I don't think it did. Come to think, of it. I think I think I'm actually thinking of Raw Danger. Oh yeah. When, when a guy's talking to you, and if and uh, if you if you uh, hit the car on something, he gets upset about it. No, actually, Grand Theft Auto 4. If you drive really fast while someone's talking, they'll stop and tell you to slow down. Oh uh, yeah. And, yeah. And then yeah. resume their conversation. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, it does that. I, I distinctly remember being <laughs> yeah. very impressed with that. Yeah, yeah. It's that's... like, hey, what are you doing, man? Come on. Yeah. What are you nuts? It's so like, whoa. <laughs> so we know the pros here, right? Uh, the cons are. I I, th- I think there's a real danger of uh, a raw danger. A, a raw danger of of getting into Half Life Two territory very easily, and I think that Oxenfree and Firewatch uh, both could work around that. Because there wasn't actually that much you could be doing while you were talking. Like the, the the primary actions in those games are so limited that you you know you can't be an idiot in front of people and have them ignore it. Uh, yeah. Like the worst you can do in Firewatch is I don't know run back and forth, right? But uh, Oxenfree, the person you're talking to, can't even see you. You're on you're on a, a radio, so you know it doesn't really matter what you're doing. So I guess the con of that approach is that uh it'd probably be very difficult to uh have people around you react appropriately yeah. as you're doing stuff and talking yeah it is uh the the this particular type of storytelling is a real wrecking ball for moods sometimes yeah uh in shooters and such uh i guess gears of war is the ultimate best example of this style ruining something uh Gears of War has long uh kind of traversal hallways between firefights uh where you're in a level and you finish a fight 
and then you are now. I thought that was Halo finished the fight. No, that's the fight. Oh. There's only one fight in Halo. Okay. Try to keep up here. <laughs> There's many fights in Gears of War. So you finish a fight, and then your guys go, "Oh, that was close, Marcus. Dom, we got to get down to the reactor." All right, Marcus, I think it's down this way. And then you start walking, right? And then the game knows about how long it takes to walk or run through that hallway. And when you reach, but because if you're a true gamer, you know, blood hungry, uh, uh, death thirsty, you know, you're going to be running. You're going to use the run to get through the tunnel. And then you will hit an invisible wall. At which point your character slows to a speed about one one fourth their normal walking speed, stands upright, puts his two fingers in his ear, and starts talking on the radio. They're like, "Marcus, we uh we see the the bomb. It's down there. You have to go down this way and fight these guys." And uh, it just completely destroys uh what you were just doing. And it's all, it, I mean, it's all game design related. It's, uh, this tunnel is here for, that's story through game design. The, 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 uh, the walking part with no shooting is all there for atmosphere. And also it's loading. Not, uh, not loading so much as you'd think. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's loading for a little bit. Uh, uh, but, the walking with your finger in your ear part is usually loading. Yeah. But the big old long tunnel is there so that you feel like you're in a place. Mm-hmm. And Gears of War 2, have you guys played Gears of War 2? Yeah. No. Yeah, Gear- oh, okay. Well, Gears of War 2 spectacularly makes you feel like you're in a place. When you start going down into down into heck to fight Satan or whatever in God's name it is you do in that game. Yeah. You're just in these giant ornate mountain king palaces where you fight and then you're just walking for five minutes and uh that's kind of cool to me but then the finger in the ear is just like whoa i don't know man yeah Ar- the arkham games are really bad about that they'll they'll you're you're running around you're feeling like batman you're like yeah i'm king of my destiny and then all of a sudden you're just Walking at a slower speed than you have ever walked in that game before, and yeah. you got your finger in your ear, and you're, you're and like, you, yeah, the, commissioner. I, it's like, man, I don't care what this guy has to say. I want to be Batman some be, more. Like it just, it would be cool if uh, Batman puts his finger like up against one of his his ears, his yeah, bat he, ears, on his cowl, <laughs> put, puts it up there. Oh, oh, that would be so much better. Yeah, it's it. Uh, yeah, the the way they. They didn't quite solve it in Batman, I thought. I agree with you. Like, you can still walk around, you can still look around, but there, there's not enough interactivity there, and it does feel like you're suddenly underwater or something. Yeah, well, it, it really makes me, like, we, we've we discussed this in the past, but that, that first Arkham game makes you feel kind of like Batman. Uh, yeah. And, and then... Then they take that away from you just suddenly. They rip, they rip off the the um, the disbelief band aid, and then you are you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally not Batman. I'm just I'm just this this avatar in a video game. And and to be fair, like I preferred that over a cutscene, like by far. Yeah. Um, but it's still it doesn't solve the problem and and that's it's a design challenge you know i'm sure they'd probably experimented and tried to give you free control while you're talking but it would just interrupt 
information you needed to have or something. Yeah. You know, you'd like run too fast and get to the next dialogue trigger and ruin right. everything. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, the the next category, uh, I think this is this will be more you guys than me being able to fill in the blanks on on what I don't understand about it because I haven't played these games so much. But uh, I call this the sort of heavily scripted uh, cinematic approach. And I, I'd, uh, I'd, I, I, in my head, these are the Naughty Dog games or like the single player Call of Duty campaigns, where oh yeah, like very the heavily, Call of Duties, yeah, the Call of Duties, where uh, you know, very heavily scripted stuff is happening, and you're experiencing exactly what the game wants you to experience, you know, unless you run around and go backwards, uh, like a like a true gamer, um, but uh, then you get you blown know, up by, by a grenade if you do that, right. yeah 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 yeah. i mean yeah exactly so pros and cons here like pros are that you get a solid narrative and you see everything you're supposed to see you know and and everyone has that same experience which i think is cool like i don't i don't i don't think a video game I, i don't think an interactive narrative necessarily has to give me choice I don't. I don't think that's a requirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the cons of this approach are that uh, it doesn't feel real to me. It feels like a Disneyland ride. Yeah, it it is. It is pretty Disneyland. And you know, I'll I'll admit that the first time Call of Duty did it, they they uh, they got me, and I was like, whoa, um, you know, like maybe this guy's gonna die if I don't do this thing. Um, but then by the time it got to, <clears throat> um, I don't remember which one it was, World at War 2 or something. Um, man, I think I pushed a couple of game titles together there, but <laughs> you know, one of, one of them where it's just like, yeah, you gotta hit the button and throw the knife at the guy. And it's like, man, I've done this in this game already. And it, yeah. it, it, beca- it turned into like a trope for them and it, then, you know it it that stuff works as long as you're all in on the narrative and it's compelling you like it's and that's what naughty dog tries to do they try to make you love nathan drake and care about this stuff and be like yeah i want indiana jones to be a good guy and be all right but then you like in um uncharted 3 that really works against the actual narrative of the game if you're an intelligent person because you know there there's this supposedly evil person who's doing all this evil stuff and there's so many times where you could just shoot them in the head from far away or mm-hmm. and then it, toward the end it's like no I'm not going to let you get, die because I'm I'm a good person uh is is what Nathan Drake does and I wish that were a choice because Nathan Drake is a mass murderer and he just killed, you know, at the end of, you, you can see how many people you killed at the end of, like there's a counter and I killed over a thousand people before I, Boom. before I saved that bad person, you know, and, and my one act of good was to save this despot. Like w- if, if that were actually part of the narrative, that would be amazing, but that was not supposed to be part of the narrative. It was supposed to be Nathan Drake no, he's really a good guy, um, and it and it it worked actively against that perception if you're paying attention. 
Well, yeah, it, it feels to me like the you know the the game needed to give you something to do between movie scenes, and uh, you know the best they could really come up with for that game was killing guys. So it makes it so that all those people you killed weren't really people; they were yeah. just kind of abstract challenges that you got by, um, which is actually how I felt going back to Grand Theft Auto Four uh, about that game, uh, and I sort of painted this narrative in my head where uh all that killing that that you were doing as uh it was nico right was that the character in four nico yeah nico bellic nico bellic uh all those people that nico were killing like i i created this sort of narrative in my head where that actually was an abstraction of what he was going through and he wasn't necessarily killing all those guys and i thought that was cool then but then apparently uh you know, five just kind of threw that away. <laughs> a weird, a weird thing for me is is that still nobody has done like a a just walking that's more of a just just exploring and platforming. Like a, I I like playing those Tomb Raider games, yeah, um, because they actually have more exploration than Uncharted does. Even though our Uncharted is kind of supposed to was kind of supposed to be about that in my mind, uh, but it wound up being a really loose, floppy third-person shooter where occasionally you get to explore something. Oh, it's it's an okay first-person, third-person I really shooter. don't. It's, it's my least favorite third-person shooting system that I have encountered. But um, it just doesn't work for me. I'm not saying it's bad. Um, but I do think it's floppy. Anyway. Oh, I, I'd be remiss to not say that the pro of this approach is uh, by far the best-looking cinematic stuff that's live oh yeah definitely um yeah but like so i i had a conversation with harvey smith um game designer man and he he was talking in you know like 2006 i think about how he wanted to do a tomb raider with no shooting and i was like yeah how are you how are you gonna do that was my thought at the time but now it just seems so it seems so possible like if yeah. you yeah. if you had a f- well, a firewatch where you were in a cave trying to get some relics and you had to jump around and do it and uh and there was someone talking to you about you know the the people that were coming up behind you but you don't have any weapons you can't you can't uh survive against them or something like that you know that's that's an interesting premise i think and and i would play that game i want to explore stuff but i also want to explore stuff at my leisure i don't want to always have a time pressure yeah uh i i don't think it's uh i mean you're saying now you could probably do it it's i i don't know gone home came out you got firewatch you got uh, mm-hmm. uh i would go ahead and just say i mean fez i would say it is extremely likely that yeah. we will get a triple a game with a 50 million dollar budget or whatever that is just walking at some point in the next 10 years yeah i'm ready and for eventually that. they will be uh a genre uh that you just can't get enough of and that actually sell etc i mean it's like i remember when i mean when bioshock infinite came out and there were all the people being like why can't it just have shooting why can't there just be no shooting? And it's like, well, because nobody would buy it. 
Uh, I would, but how are you going to make back that budget? And then there's, uh, there's, uh, gone home came out, uh, shortly after that. And, uh, it was like, yeah, look, see, you can have an environment of this size right now made by a team of this size, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but anyway, I want to talk about Call of Duty because uh, I've played all those and I know the names of them. So uh, I, I know the names of them. I know uh, I know the names of some of the characters as well, which is terrifying. Yeah, I can't uh, remember them. I played like four of those. I can't remember. And I understand that. the developers. Uh, uh, so Call of Duty Modern Warfare uh, is the one probably that Brandon is referring to when he says they got him once. Yeah, that was it. the one. And the reason is because the story stuff is perfectly executed. Yeah. It's just actually perfectly executed in that game. So, uh, I mean, it all is, I mean, man, yeah, it's real good. So you're like making the, it, it sounds like a little joke. And I mean, we've, I've got to say it's not a joke for anyone listening who uh, I've discovered you can still mention Call of Duty and have a reasonably intelligent person go, <laughs> yeah, Call of Duty, huh? And then you get some Doritos too. <laughs> and it's like, no, actually there, there's extremely artistically important stuff in modern warfare. So like, yeah, well, if you turn around and go backward in a level, you're going to get killed by a grenade, lol, right? But the world of the game is, I mean, it's just put some serious horse blinders on your, your idealism. You know, when you're playing it, it's like, this is war, you idiot. You know, you can't just go do dumb stuff. You can't turn around in the middle of a fight. They do a very good job of putting you in a hostile environment. Uh, and also another cool thing, like, okay, so I read a lot of really boring articles around the time, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out that were like, uh, uh, sort of highfalutin game critics. Uh, trying to reconcile the corporeal joy they felt headshotting noobs in the game <laughs> with the, but is the story sophisticated? Uh, because I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> and it's like, it's just, it's just characters yelling at me. It's like, you're in the army, idiot. You know, uh, they're, of course they're yelling at you. And, uh, what, who do you want to be in the game? Man, do you want to be the president of the United States? Uh, do you want to be, uh, the general in his, uh, in his office watching it on a video screen? Uh, like you're a guy on the ground because that's what kids want to be in these games, weirdly enough. You want to be a guy on the ground and, uh, you want to be a guy on the ground in the front. You want to have a mustache and a red beret and, uh, you want to be wearing a, a shirt that says never die on it. You want to be running around bare-chested with a sword on your back? Like, I don't know. Like, you're a guy back there doing your job. It's, it's, it's a job simulator, right? I can remove all, uh, all patriotism from any discussion of this. Uh, you're, you're just a guy. I mean, you're a guy doing your job for your country, whether you believe it or not. The guy, the guy in the game does. Hmm. Well, it's not for your country. It's for, a. it's for, a, let's not get into who it's for, but, uh, because uh, that we'd be here all day, but it's like uh, one really really cool touch is that you're not you don't know stuff. The game sometimes tells you stuff, but it's always in a news broadcasty fashion. It's like this guy, you know, this dictator died today in this country. It's beautiful. It's very well done, and weirdly, 
there are, and, and this is another thing that I saw criticized. It's like sometimes oh, I don't even, I didn't even fire a shot and we won the fight. It's like, yeah, cause you're in a group of soldiers who are doing their job, right? Uh, why aren't you doing it, buddy? Uh, <laughs> yeah. get better at the game, play it again. And that's to me an extremely rewarding thing is to story wise replay that game and do better at the fights. Uh, uh, darn neat stuff. So it feels like a Disneyland ride, but there is the choice in there of, you know, are you going to be better at this fight? And then there are fights where you are absolutely essential. You've got to get a guy because the other guys aren't going to get him. Uh, man, I like it. And then when it does the clever stuff, I still recommend this game to people today. Like I still find people who haven't played it who should play it. Yeah, I agree. And I'm like, it's really, just get it and play it. It's really uh, it does. got stuff it's in it. It's probably like five bucks now, the first one. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you get it on your Xbox 360, yeah. If you get it on Steam, it's it's 20 bucks still. Wow. But but you can run it at 144 FPS, and uh, people don't complain about the price of Criterion Collection Blu-rays. I'm just putting... I'm Yeah, I'm saying it's a Criterion Collection game. Uh, put it in there. But in addition to also LOL, Activision, and whatever. Right. Uh Real good stuff, man. Uh, yeah, and when it's clever, it's clever. So I, I like to use the expression, the world is happening in the game. The world happens, and you're in it while it's happening. And uh, it doesn't do a whole lot of that. You might miss looking. You might miss the chance to look at something. but Because uh, it's usually in your uh, right in your eye view, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're seeing it, and it's uh, it's pretty dope. And that's the straight dope. Straight, pretty dope. Uh, okay, so I've got, I have three more that I defined, uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll sort of, and we'll get through these quickly and then see if there's anything I miss that you guys want to recommend for this sort of list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the next one, I think is, we can get through this pretty quick. Uh, what I'd call the a text dense approach. Um, so I would call like, you know, twine games for example would be a text dense approach um there's a game out called read only memories i don't know if you guys have seen this one yeah yeah that game rules yeah and it's uh you know it's basically very snatcher like where uh you know you're 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 choosing to like look at a thing and then you'll get like a text description about it um so the my problem with read only memories uh was that there was too much text and that I, I kind of felt um, sometimes punished for showing interest in something uh, with, with a, a lot of text that I didn't actually want to read. Um, so that is what I'd consider sort of the con of that sort of approach is that I have no choice, but to engage with this text once I've done something. Yeah. Well, it, <clears throat> I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think that's a con per se. It's only a con if you don't like everything you're reading. And yes, if you're if you're interested in what's well, well a, a con to that approach is that everything you write has to be awesome. Right. Yeah, that's true. Because um, yeah, I you know I've read I've read a lot of um, um, Twine games, especially where. I was just like, yeah, I will ride this all the way through. Especially, uh, Porpentine's games mm-hmm. are just always, 
I just read the, not read, um, in, interacted with the, the Kesha warrior princess or whatever exactly it was called one. Um, and it's pretty, it's, you know, as much as text can be, it was kind of like this effervescent sort of, um, ecstatic and and active experience even though you're just clicking a thing it's just everything that is written there is it's just this weird compelling yeah i I see what's going on here let's just do more of that yeah um and that's that's really cool um but it's it's hard to do and it works better for short stuff in my opinion the the longer the longer it is the more likely it is to drag and the more likely i am to disengage and then you know another another con i might put in there is you know when i get tired of a game like this i put it down for like a few weeks and then i come back and i'm like i don't remember what i was doing at all i don't remember any and, of this and, stuff and there's no visual cues or anything yeah, yeah yeah um you know i'd like that wouldn't happen in a twine game because that would you know it's like five minutes but in 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 a game like snatcher or something if you know if I don't remember what's what was going on and I come back to it, it's like, well, I guess I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, con would be uh, that for me anyway, the, a, a con of that approach is that I, I don't feel like it's usually taking advantage of the fact that it's a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, but a pro is that uh, you can tell a whole lot of stories really easily with this approach. Yeah. Um, and you know, it often doesn't require, you know, even, even if you've got graphics in the game, uh, if you're text dense, you can, you can, uh, leave a lot of the, the, the extraneous graphics, uh, to, to the old brain processor. Yeah. Um, which is something I, I think Sid Meier once talked about at GDC that, that was a, a, pr- a pretty good, uh, I, I forget his, his, uh, example, but it was, you know, it, it was something like, uh, you know, you're playing Civ and, and people are talking about like elephants marching in the street, but you don't have to draw those elephants cause it's just this quick thing and you're convinced of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's a pro, but, but again, I, I think a con for me is that pretty often, uh, I'm, I'm going back to read only memories as an example, like that genre of game that I don't know what you'd call that. Like in my head, I, I, I call that a, a, uh, Japanese style console adventure game. So something mm-hmm. like a snatcher or a princess tomato, or you know what I mean? Where, where the, the, the sort of game design is you have to look and at everything in the room and then try to interact with everything in the room in order to unlock the door to go to the next room to do that again. Yeah. I, I guess Phoenix, Wright Is sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem again with that is that I don't actually feel any agency uh, when I play that kind of game, because I feel like I I feel like I'm seeing the spreadsheet under the graphics or the non graphics, yeah. where it's yeah. like I'm I, I'm I'm seeing the the things I have to interact with and unlock, and I think it only works if the writing is always great or yeah. at least snappy. Like I think yeah, so yeah, that that's how I feel about that genre. Yeah, I just call those Japanese adventure games because yeah. they're all uh pretty much like yeah, like that. But I mean, it's a uh, 
Uh, I've heard Japanese adventure games described by big-time fans of them in the country of Japan as uh, they're just – it's like reading a comic book. Yeah. Uh, like playing through Snatchers, like reading a whole bunch of comic books, like a a series that's got like 10 volumes and you're just reading through it. Yeah. And, and I- uh, you can go back and read the little author's notes between the chapters and, you know, oh, did you know that this character actually uh, studied – a uh, flower arrangement in high school. And it's but, like, oh, now but I know it's, that. But it's like, it, that would be like if the author's comments were forced on you. You know, yeah, that, that's yeah. how I feel that uh, Japanese adventure games are, are like. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, a true reader of a mango, I mean manga. <laughs> uh, I like calling them mangoes. A true reader of a mango is going to want to read all the words. It's a mango, right? Yeah, it's yeah. multiple mangas. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna read all of the letters from the right from the author. Sure, they're, it's like it is forced upon them. They because by their own compulsion to enjoy, the old enjoy compulsion will do it. But uh, yeah, those games uh, I can really appreciate those games in that way, uh, and a lot of them aren't super well written. But uh, Snatcher and Police Knots at least have a whole bunch of twists. Yeah, uh, the Tokimeki Memorial games. Uh, you know some of the uh, uh the pillars of the dating game genre uh those are really really good about that stuff love that stuff uh, love it. so we're running low on time so i'm going to try to be a little quick here uh i i have here also uh abstraction pure abstraction is storytelling uh because i just played the witness i don't know if you've played that yet tim yeah uh, i'm working my way through it so don't uh I got to a part where I went, aha, okay. You know, like finally. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of little small, uh, uh, hmm moments, but then there was like a, oh, okay. Uh, uh, a little funny story. Uh, I've been having to play the witness not on a stream because despite repeated, uh, requests, uh, to please don't, uh, say anything at all about the solutions to the puzzles uh or whatever uh i got people saying stuff yeah uh and i'm just like man i can't play this game with people watching me play this game it's weird and it's usually like i'd solve a puzzle look over at the at the chat and someone would be like you're supposed to look at the thing there it's like okay it, I would, I you know, I was just like avoiding looking at the chat while playing, so I just couldn't do it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's cool in that game. Yeah, I, I feel like the the abstraction sort of lets you, uh, you know, by nature of abstraction, I guess, fill in the blanks and and sort of figure out the story on your own, whether or not it's correct, um, or what the author intended and correct. I guess I'd put in air quotes there, um. Like, I got something out of this, and, and I got this this pretty early on, so I don't think this is spoiling anything, because I think it's just my interpretation. Um, I think a lot of what that game is trying to convey is is the struggle of being an artist, but also the futility of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that's something that it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, outright say other than, I don't know, having having a uh, statue of an artist like sculpting things next to a computer or whatever right but but uh-huh. uh, i but, don't know but, i think it outright says it it seems like i haven't played it so yeah. you know um, yeah, but uh, i've i've uh, i've it, i cannot it doesn't outright say anything 
I can't uh, help. I don't, I don't think. I don't think but so yeah. either. I can't help yeah. but have seen all of these images of like anguished statues, and and someone will paste a bunch of text, and it'll just be like, well, it's, I mean, it's not subtle. Yeah, that kind of seems like the sort of tweet or something that would come from the sort of person who would have written a a think piece before they called them think pieces about how the story in Call of Duty Modern Warfare is actually not that good, though. So I've seen a lot of those tweets where it's like, man, look at this picture of this statue. Look how how heavy-handed this is. It's like, that game's real chill, man. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It it has not, uh, it hasn't stabbed me anywhere yet. So I don't know. It hasn't been like, look at this idiot uh, to anything yet so far. And I like that. Well, let's make a note to circle back to talking about The Witness when we both actually finished it, because I think there's a Wait, lot you, to talk about. Oh, you haven't finished it, Frank? Oh, I have. Oh, you have? You oh, haven't, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't. I thought you were saying you you yeah. haven't. Uh, Brandon's probably going to play it, right, Brandon? I, man, I don't want to spend $40 <laughs> on it. I just really, like, I keep asking people, why, why should I, why should I buy this? And, and... There are just no answers to that. Okay, question. so you played Fez, man. Yeah. Just you should play the witness. That's all I can say. Oh, well, all right. You played Fez. Why'd you like Fez? Uh, I liked hanging out there, and uh, and right. I, it had good music, and um, and I liked discovering things. Okay, so yeah, uh, so two of those things you're gonna get a billion percent of yeah. in the witness. And not, not the music. I, I, I think I, I think the witness has good music too, in its way. Yeah. Uh in well I guess no I guess all, Yeah, uh really good sound. Yeah. Oh the sound uh, design in the witness is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the few games in history to actually have uh sound design. Yeah. In my opinion, is how good it is. So uh that's the straight dope on that. Uh, but anyway, we're not talking about the quality of the witness. We're talking about the storytelling uh, benefits of that kind of genre, right? Where, where, where there's an abstraction to it. I'd imagine that uh, some games I haven't played that people might call walking simulators do similar stuff, where it's not yeah. outright telling you a story necessarily. It's it's uh, abstracting it. Um, yeah. So a lot of benefits here. Uh, biggest benefit, I guess, is that uh, you can tell sort of those higher level kinds of uh higher thinking i should say kinds of stories if you want to um yeah you know the 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 cons if any are would would be that uh people might not get it <laughs> you know? yeah. or uh or if you give you know the player too much freedom they might miss a whole lot of stuff you want them to see it's kind of a danger yeah. um i mean i remember uh uh, when I interviewed Hideo Kojima about Metal Gear Solid 3, he, I, I asked, like, he said that there were so many things on Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 and 3 that he wanted to do, uh, and wanted to spend a huge amount of time on, but then he thought about how few people would ever see it. And I told him, Metal Gear Solid fans are pretty weird. I'm sure they'll see whatever you put in the game. And oh, he goes, absolutely. Maybe you're right. Maybe. And it's like this was before YouTube. So I'm sure, uh, yeah, the Metal Gear Solid, hence the density of stuff in MGS4 and 5. I guess YouTube popped around and he's like, heck yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's just load, let's stuff this turkey. So, uh, in other words, MGS4 is kind of what MGS1, 2, and 3 sort of 
wanted to be. A little scary thought for your Saturday morning there. So final category I've got here. Um, I just called it Make Your Own. These are games where you have complete freedom, and the stories that happen are are, are the, the stories that happen are completely emergent from your actions and in your head. So Minecraft, uh, Ark System Evolved, right? These these are games where, or like a lot of uh, online games, right? Uh, virtual worlds, MMOs, stuff like that, where where the story, as it were, is basically the story of you playing this game. Uh huh. Um. So, you know, pros there are, you know, completely immersive, right? There's no there's no breaking the narrative if it's your own narrative about playing this game. Like, even if the game breaks completely, that's just part of the story. Yeah, you broke it, idiot, yeah. is what the game says, and it's like, nice. Uh, cons are, you know, you, you can't, as, as a storyteller, really tell a story in this kind of game. Yeah, it's not... There's no... There's no... Uh top-down narrative going on right you can uh, position characters who have reactions on different tiers and once they've reacted into a particular ending point it's just like that's who that character is it's what, like what happens in fallout or skyrim or whatever you punch a shopkeeper once he raises his prices you punch him a second time he raises him even higher you punch him a third time he calls the cops you know, like that's 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 the kind of there you go. There's there's the narrative you've crafted. Uh, <laughs> it's like that happens on just a whole bunch of little scale, little tiny levels. I feel like they just build these sloppy little networks in games like that. Uh, the the game designers and the story writers in tandem build up a network of uh, what happens when you punch this guy three times, like. And then it's like, if you punch this guy three three times, this other guy, his brother, who lives in another city, won't like you. So it's like, whoa, that's a, that's a that's a powerful fist. I think you can you can do some stuff with this kind of emergent player driven narrative in an actual narrative game, though. As long yeah. as you make, oh yeah, as long as you make your character you know, not serious enough because you kind of have to do that. Otherwise, um, you know, all the stupid stuff you wind up doing is going to, is going to ruin everything. But, you know, like just cause that series, there's all kinds of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tether this plane to this other plane. They're going to spiral around into the sun, you know, like that's, that's a compelling world changing thing that you just did. Uh, and it doesn't, Uh It doesn't stop the rest of the story from happening, um, but it lets yeah. you lets you do your own thing. Um, so, uh, do you guys have any uh, uh, storytelling techniques uh, slash genres of narrative games that that you feel like we didn't cover here? Yes, um, Go on. and one of them is you know it's it's sort of related to the node based one, but things things like um we i i feel like we didn't discuss narrative tree games at all where like mass effect or fallout etc where it's it's like yes it stops you to make you have this conversation but like a traditional japanese rpg which we also didn't mention um oh yeah we did that's oh that's i guess the first that's the, one silent yeah that's server. the silent yeah. silent guy um yeah right but but like like those 
you have to go and find you have to go and find the discussion um you you have to sometimes you have to travel many miles and get to the top of a mountain to have that discussion and, and they're and they're often optional and yeah okay, and sure. they're often optional and you can then choose f- within extreme limits what you say and how you react to to those and those things um sort of change your character type etc so i think there's those kinds of games will always be somewhat compelling um because they're they're sort of the evolution of that text genre where you you know like in zork or whatever you could type whatever you want but only a few things worked um yeah and so it may as well just be a choice um but it but you know like zork had the the additional um uh what do you call it the additional uh feature of if you typed the wrong thing but it was a funny wrong thing that developers had thought of you get a fun answer right um uh-huh. so there there's there's that and then the other one that we didn't discuss that i feel is um somewhat i don't know if it's important but it's it's definitely one of those here's a step kind of games is um the portal type of voice of god narrative mm. where you've got someone who's actually reacting to the things that you're doing to some extent partially because it knows where you are uh and partially because you know the game can see what you're doing and so it can be like stop that um and I guess the the Stanley Parable is like that or something. I don't know. I didn't play it. Um, I don't consider that to be uh, a different technique than uh, Undertale, for example, or a JRPG. Hmm. Mm. I do because it reacts to you more, and also because it's well. Hmm. I guess I guess I could see it being quite similar because you tend to not. Like, I guess the, the difference is you can, you can react to what is being said to you directly. Like, like, don't throw that into the incinerator and then you do it and they're like, well, why did you do that? So the Um, difference between that and Firewatch, the, the, the only thing I can think of is, is that in Firewatch you can actually respond. Mm -hmm. Right. But other than that, is that really a different storytelling technique than, having someone talk to you and, and react to the things you do. Yeah. I guess maybe it's, maybe it's not, it's just, uh, it's a different take on, on a silent observer, I guess. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like a hybrid of the two. Yeah. I guess I feel like it's a, it's a facet we didn't get into, but it doesn't, it's it's not like important as, as a genre itself or whatever. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Um, so anything you want, so the list I have, of stuff that we all think, uh, I think we all think, uh, is is sort of worth keeping around, and and is possibly the future, right? Is uh, uh, backstory flavor in the environment, right? Uh, we we added the, what I called the non-anchored mouth, yeah. Um, so the ability to speak while doing other stuff, or at least listen while doing other stuff, right? Um, if if it's a protagonist that doesn't talk. And then uh, I sort of silently added in here free exploration um, as, as being a thing that I think we all uh, would agree is, is important to the style of game. Like, you know, I, I feel like that's a weakness I didn't, we didn't address in the Telltale games is that 
it is basically scene to scene to scene. Yeah. Uh, you, you're not, you never actually feel like you're inhabiting a world and can go backwards and forwards throughout it. Right. Um, is there anything we should add to this list? Uh, possibly based on what you just said, uh, Mm -hmm. possibly, um, uh, and I don't know how to put this into words necessarily, but, but the idea of there being optional narrative that also feeds the main narrative. Yeah, I would, I don't know if this is the exactly that, but I would say some, some degree of choice, which can, which can affect the, the main narrative, just some something or that can at least make you feel like you're affecting things. Um, okay. So, so narrative decisions that with real consequences. Yeah. But, but it, I don't necessarily mean like choose this or choose that. I just, I mean like, do you go over here or do you not, or do you go over there or do you not see this area at all? Um, those, sure. just, just having those kinds of things in there. So decisions with real consequences. Yeah. I think. Real consequences. Yeah. Anything anything you want to add to that or is it our list of four, Tim? Uh I think that's pretty good, but uh uh yeah, I would say let, let, let's define exactly what this list is. I think this is a list of our predictions for uh narrative game design decisions that'll be around in ten years and possibly popular. Yeah. I think that all sounds right. Uh I think these walking simulators are definitely onto something, but at the same time, uh, I, I think don't underestimate games with like harder fail states, mm. like, like death. Yeah. Don't underestimate games with, uh, with death in them. Uh, I think one game that does a little bit of everything on this list, uh, and it does all of it at the same time and very well is, uh, Bloodborne. Does mm. all of that stuff. Bloodborne also has, so you were saying about the abstract narrative and the potential for the, uh, more casual player to not see it and therefore dismiss the game as unsophisticated. Well, uh, both, uh, uh, both the Bloodborne and, uh, uh, the Witness are something happened here stories, right? Right. But man, you don't need to look too hard at Bloodborne to know something happened here, uh, you're in a city that's just completely on fire and uh full of dead bodies and monsters uh and it's uh, but there's also a bunch of people who are still alive and aware and there's stories and characters and uh there are choices you can make someone says bring me this thing and then you don't have to do it uh there's a guy who might help you but you could kill him because he's not going to help you yet and he's an enemy until you do the condition required for him to help you. Like, uh, man, it's so much stuff. And when people try to sit down and put their, their smart boy hats on and try to talk about, uh, why are the, why is Bloodborne popular or whatever? It's a game where you die a lot. Uh, I don't know. It's like, man, it's all the stuff. And it's also that it's just got story hmm. like all over it. Every, Every second of it, there's the story is just right there. I feel like I I, that game really started started with uh, environmental storytelling as as like a a pillar that it was going to go yeah. for. Oh yeah, Demon Souls was. Uh, they knew exactly that's the secret of our game, and let's see how long it takes. 
everybody in the world to notice it. I think I want to add something to this list based on that. Um, and based on the earlier conversations about a, uh, uh, a game where like a Tomb Raider without shooting, right? Uh, uh, tactile interactions. Yeah. Like, I think that is maybe a, a must if we're sort of making a list of how to evolve narrative storytelling into being, yeah. you know, a, 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 a thing that, that is a, a popular genre. Yeah, because I tell you what, that Dear Esther stuff, uh, did, She's not even a deer. Did, <laughs> uh, it didn't do it for me in, uh, like, all the way. Yeah, I haven't played it, but I, I, I understand what you're saying because I already made that choice without having played it. Yeah, I, I just, you know, it was it was free somewhere, and you want to talk about just walking. That's it. Um, you know, that's... Like, sometimes that can be cool, like in that... Man, what's that game called? That the path? Nah, um, the one where it's um, it's on a fun little island, and the graphics are all bright and cheery, but also pixely. Um, it's a, like Proteus. Was that Proteus? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that's that's really that's really just walking, but it gives you some cute stuff to look at and hang out with. But dear Esther is just like. Here's a here's a ponderous emotion for you to for you to walk around in for a while. Do you like it? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so flavor and and uh, I, I think when I said flavor and environment, I think what I actually mean by that is 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 some way of uh, peeking under the the hood and, and further exploring the backstory without it being necessary, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think I think. I think it doesn't have to necessarily be in the environment, but I think we've identified that as the best way of doing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the world is the best narrator, as Ken Levine said. Uh, that's by which good I quote. mean I think uh, uh, setting, uh, having a setting that feels like a place, you know, being that they are video games, right? Uh, a setting that feels like a place, a sense of place, is, in my opinion. I'm gonna say it. The most important thing. Yeah, I, in I would having say a video it's game story. Extremely important because, you know, uh, we all have different opinions about Shadows of the, of the Danged, but um, I really liked the idea of that world where demons just live there and hang out. And it, you know, I've always liked that kind of world, but this was the first 3D one for me that I got to roll around in for a while. Um, and I didn't really like the rest of the game very much, but I played through half of it just because I wanted to live in that town. I didn't feel like anyone lived there. I, I wanted to feel like people lived there. I felt a little bit Mm -hmm. like that at the very beginning because there were like, when you go through it at first, there are like shutters closing and, and then you meet like a shopkeep or something. And I was like, oh man, this is a populated world. And, and I could maybe be friends with some people and not friends with other people. It was never true, but just the, the, the initial promise of that was enough to get me halfway through the game. So I, I, that, that it's just me saying, I totally agree. Setting's very important because I can, I can get way further 
just because I, I want that setting to be there. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I like our list. It's a good show. We ran a little bit long, so I'm going to wrap it up now. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you don't already, you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash IC podcast. You can follow all of us on Twitter uh, by searching our names, basically. But uh, yeah. if, if you want if you want to know the real ones, it's uh, Tim's at 108, Brandon's at Necrosofty, I am at Frank Cifaldi. Um we uh, I don't know. Did anyone anyone using that Twitter account yet? Or we? Oh, we're gonna do it soon, man. All right, we we have a Twitter account that exists that doesn't tweet. Uh, it is is it just add-ins or credit or what is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about using that Twitter account for uh, what I'm not even gonna say, but several years. You know, I've I've yeah. found I've found the uh, I found the password, so I'm gonna take well, I'm gonna take care. Give of it, it up, man. I will. Wow, just, uh, last tweet on that account. February twenty yeah. seventh, two thousand twelve. Well, you know, yeah. tweet right before that, Feb- September twenty eighth, two thousand eleven. Oh man, There's I believe the tweets. idea was, I'm guessing, get in there, get the password, delete those tweets, yeah. and uh, just, just so you know, just, I mean, <laughs> yeah. everybody, everybody with a Twitter account wishes there was an easy way to delete all their tweets at least once a year. Mm-hmm. They go, I wish I could do it real easy. Uh, I mean, we have the opportunity. Yeah, let's do it. Let me do it. Okay. God, I wish I could do it. I'll, I will delete both of those tweets <laughs> and I will make a new one and I will, uh, yeah, it'll be great. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, well, uh, let's, let's, let's maybe actually do that. Uh, and then, uh, instacredit.com also is home for all these podcasts. Uh, iTunes is a good place also. Bam. Yeah. So, uh, thanks a lot and we will, uh, talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Insert credit show. Over, yeah! Oh, and, and also, obviously, The Last of Us is the best video game story. Oh, no. So oh, no. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> we, had, we, had, that. we had a Naughty Dog section. You didn't, you didn't no, say nothing. No, no. Did you ever beat The Last of Us? No. Okay, then you lose. Uh, it's not a Naughty Dog game. Man, the uh, problem with that game is that it's uh, the future. Why it's, would you bring this up at the end? I know why. Because uh, this was the, I was waiting for the very end. Such a jerk move. No, um, we're it. not ending it now. Uh, so <laughs> the problem, the problem with that yes. game, as far as I'm concerned, it has a great story, has a wonderful world. It's got all of those bases covered. It has a lot of sections where you're uh, impacting the narrative, but then it'll be like, okay, now you're in the sewer level. It's just it's 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 ah. broken up. It's it's not a cohesive experience, and I, I I just I don't know. Like it'll just be like, all right, time for action stage, and then you do the action stage, and then it's back to the story. And I don't. It's I love not it, seamless. <laughs> you can feel the relationships between the characters in the action. I agree. With I don't that. know, man. I agree with that. It's like I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe maybe they're not done yet. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't think they're done that yet, and I think. But that uh, maybe they're not done with the style yet. But it's uh, it's the most promising example, in my opinion. I will. That's how I. That's how I want it. That that's that's all. I will. I, I will absolutely concede that possibility, but I don't think it was really quite there yet. <laughs> all right. That's <laughs> and, that, and that's my show, and that's the end. Shut up, Tim. Good night.